Well, we certainly have a handful of things to catch up on here today on this episode of ISN Now. Joined alongside Noah Cowell, I'm Will Charlton. But uh, I think the main thing we have to start with now that it's NFL draft season is Illinois' finest, the best quarterback in college football this past season, even though he technically wasn't because he didn't win the Thorpe War, but he was. Which was um, a little questionable. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious he should have, but obviously we're a bit biased, but you know. Devin Witherspoon, congratulations on your top five draft picks of the Seattle Seahawks last night. That was awesome. Dude, I was so – just like the – just everything about it. I mean, how much work he has put in. It's an incredible story. I mean, it is so fruit. Yeah. No Power 5 program – He's going to go to community college first. Yeah. No Power 5 program wanted him. Nope. Except for Illinois. Illinois gave him a chance. And what did he do? He – Worked his butt off, and next thing you know, he's making these highlight real plays last year. In his career, I actually saw this stat, which was wild, by the way, that he has more interceptions, five interceptions, than pass touchdowns allowed. Wow. Four. Wow. He, he didn't allow a single pass touchdown last year in zone and coverage. And only 16 receptions being the primary defender last year on 54 balls thrown his way. Dude, he was a beast. He's physical. Yeah. He's he's quick enough to guard at anyone just like completely blanket them. He's good in zone coverage, as they mentioned, not a single touchdown allowed. I mean, I didn't realize a few months ago, if you would have told me he would have been number five, like I wouldn't have expected that. But as you you saw more coverage start to come around him, it was like, he's really going to be that Illinois first top 10 pick since 1996. Yep. That's right. We weren't alive, <laughs> by the way. No, we weren't. I, uh, I was getting firing threats on Twitter for some odd reason <laughs> campaign room saying that I wasn't even alive yet last time Illinois had a uh, a first round pick obviously it's was, okay obviously I'm, our second manager quote Stephen unquote, was was joking which I've been quote unquote fired like eight or nine times now yeah, it's fun yeah. fun at this point yeah especially when it's all just a joking matter and when you're that comfortable in your workspace you can talk about being quote unquote fired it's pretty funny but we're lucky to work with him how scary is that secondary now Devin Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen in Seattle dude that's a secondary I mean and you also still got Jamal Adams there too you know I mean that's well and what's funny is that that's pretty solid I can't tell you how many times I've seen that clip against Indiana where he absolutely dude, leveled the when I, when I saw that live when I was at that game I was like oh wow it's like you have somebody special there and that wasn't backwards pass, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you can't people, go that far back. People last time. night on Twitter were like, yes, yes, you're going to see this play more and more. Because as Illinois fans, of course, we've seen it, like, retweeted everywhere by different accounts who mm-hmm. were just then discovering Devin Witherspoon and what he actually had to bring to the table. And so we've seen it so many times. And they were like, don't let it distract you from the fact that, yes, it was a backwards pass. That was a fumble. <laughs> of course, that is way behind the pass now, and he is moving on to much uh, greener pastures in the NFL. Oh, yeah. And will be one of the guys that will be watched the most in the NFL this upcoming season as a rookie. And, you know, Legion of Boom, part two, incoming. You know, I, I mean, mean... That's what everyone... <laughs> that's what was circulating on Twitter. Everyone knows the potential that he has. It's, yeah. So exciting to see a guy from Illinois get this type of coverage. Isn't it? I mean, Devin Witherspoon is – I mean, he was honestly a privilege to watch this past season because, I mean, when a ball was thrown his way, you just knew that the receiver probably wasn't even going to catch it. I mean, he was unreal in man-to-man coverage and zone coverage. I mean, he was the most complete quarterback in this draft. 
He and, was. and the top five picks showed. I mean, he was the first cornerback selected by far. Christian Gonzalez wasn't picked till the Patriots at what was that, 17? I yeah, believe it was later. Yeah, for sure, around there. Yeah. Christian Gonzalez, the second best cornerback in this draft out of Oregon. Um, but yeah, I mean, Witherspoon just, he defied the odds. I mean, it's not often that you see a guy who started as low as he did without barely even a recruiting pro- profile, nothing really at all. And then he ends up being the top cornerback in college football and then ends up being a top five pick to the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, this is just a type of story. How can anyone not root for the kid? Yeah, right. right. I mean, he the mentality he had to have to be able to, to get up to that level. And, of course, you have to give so much credit to Bielema staff. Absolutely. Walters, of course, now at And reach out to Aaron Henry, right. too, Henry, for that Florida connection. Yeah, Henry was able to develop some of these guys. I mean, in the two years that Bielema has been in Illinois, you have Kirby Joseph, who made quite a bit of headlines – much to your dismay with your boy Aaron Rodgers on the Packers. Yeah, um, yeah. He picked him off multiple times as a rookie. Sure did. Um, you know, making headlines with the Lions. And then I was, thinking the that, I was thinking that maybe Witherspoon and Joseph were going to be on the same team. It was really looking like on that. the same team. It was really looking like that. But, um, yeah, he'll he'll have that little uh, duo that people will be scared of with uh, Tariq Woolen. You know, I'm really kind of excited to see how that Seattle Seahawks defense looks next year. Well, they were the lowest um, ranked defense. Oh, no, they were so bad. In, in Carroll's, um, yeah. in his actual systems yeah. since 2010. They were yeah. 25th. They were really bad this past season in coverage. That's so uncharacteristic it is. For, for one of his teams. So Absolutely. You know, let's, let's see him uh, make a name for himself even more than he already has. Um, have some big hits in the NFL. We'll see. Yeah, and after Witherspoon got picked last night, we're still kind of expecting to hear Sidney Brown and Chase Brown's name in the next probably two or three rounds. Yeah, Quan, Quan Martin, Martin should be picked probably today, I assume. Yeah. Um, I would I would guess that probably Sid and Quan will be picked tonight. Um, Chase will probably be tomorrow. Uh, Palchuski probably a tomorrow type of guy to, as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like if, but I mean, you know, I'm wondering if a team would respect how much of an Iron Man Pelchewski is mm-hmm. and might pick him like late third round. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Because um, with, you know, how long he's been at the program and how he just, he's stuck by them and how he was always that just like, he was just always there and he was always yeah. very solid, very consistent. Oh yeah. And that's what you need in offensive linemen. There are so many injuries. Like, as a Bears fan, I can say there are a lot of injuries with offensive linemen. There's, mm-hmm. And that's so crucial to a team in the NFL, even more sure so is. than in college, because those defensive linemen are absolutely insane in the NFL. The pressure they create. I mean, with a team like the Bears, with Justin Fields, how he's running for his life every play. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bears definitely need to go all the time there, whether it was – yeah. The guy, the guy you guys picked, or Skaronsky, right? Right. Yeah, yeah right. right. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that that definitely was the way it's, to go for the Bears. Yeah, but it, it makes such a huge difference, especially with those injuries when you have a guy like Paul Chusky, yeah, who you can – he was at least a little more reliable. Next thing you know, what if he gets drafted one of the later rounds and he gets, like, fringe onto the team – you have a few injuries. He has to come up. You just have to have to have a guy who's prepared, who's going to be there for you when you need it. And he has the experience with Illinois, especially this past year was super important 
being in those big moments that Illinois had that they hadn't had before in his career, really. Yeah. I mean, that he has that experience now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be one of those things where a team is just going to be looking for a guy who could probably be like a fill-in type of guy if a starter gets hurt. Exactly. Like, I mean, there are so many teams, obviously, who need to have backup help on their offensive lines. Because, I mean, like you said, injuries are just so prone to happen with those guys. Because one awkward fall, a knee could bust or an ankle could sprain or like yeah. I mean, anything. Literally, a yeah. dude lands on your leg and you're exactly over. Exactly. That's yeah. So I mean, I'll use awful. David Bakhtiari as an example as for my Packers. Um, he had a torn ACL and he hasn't really been the same since. Like, yeah. I mean, he's been on and off the field a lot and. He's a very high-paid tackle, which, I mean, he was great when he was pre-injured. But, I mean, he came back in for a bit, and he was still very good. But he just hasn't been the same since his ACL tear. And, you know, it's – I think it's definitely – I think Pelchewski's definitely a guy who could for sure play that fill-in role when he needs to. Because, I mean, he's been there. He's battle-tested. I mean, he spent six seasons here at Illinois. He used yeah. all of his years of eligibility that he could. And he even played in the bowl game, too. So, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Alex. I mean, I, I wish Palcho the best of luck, and I really think that he'll be a third or fourth rounder. Yeah, I I, I think he'll be around there. I, I hope he is. I mean, he deserves it. He's been through so much. <laughs> yeah, and we'll also definitely keep an eye on Chase, Sidney, Quan. Obviously, we have some under, uh, some guys who will probably be UDFAs, too, like right. Kendall Smith, Tommy DeVito. Tommy yeah, we'll have to definitely keep eyes off for them as well, but – Draft time is definitely an exciting time. Once again, big congratulations to Devin Witherspoon on his top five draft pick. We certainly didn't expect to be saying that because we thought all of us pretty much thought he was going to be going to, at six to the Lions. But Illinois has their first top five draft pick in a long, long time since 1996. And that's what this Illinois football team in the past few years yeah. keeps making names for themselves, keeps breaking I mean, records I got the program. Yeah. It's it just keeps going up. I gotta say, I am so excited for the future of this program because I mean, Brett Bielema has done nothing but just take this program to the next step. I mean, I certainly didn't expect an eight and four regular season this past year. No, I mean the thing we were, we were like, oh yeah, it's the, like thing that's, five, the thing that the thing that sucks is if we would have said eight and four at the start of the season, it's like no. But and then when we, we were sitting it. at it, <laughs> we were sitting at the end of the year, it's like we underachieved. <laughs> this team underachieved going eight and four because they should have went to the Big Ten championship. They should have beat Purdue at home. They should have be, been able to beat Michigan State at home. Yeah. And I mean, the Relaquest Bowl is just one of those things where it was, I mean, you, you once again, you have some of your best players. Right. And you're also going against a team who is, and, yeah. who just lost their head coach and Mike Leach. Um, so, I mean, still, that was, once again, still an incredible experience. Yeah. Big, thank you to the, sh the Champagne Room for being able to send me down there. Kind um, of still, but, yeah. you know, it was it was all the woulda, coulda, One of my favorite memories of this past school year, which I guess we can transition to saying that is uh, kind of crazy how fast it's winding down. Um, I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, both I, I feel like it next was literally year. just yesterday that we're just sitting talking about Illinois versus Virginia and how right? football no, seriously. Go. We were talking about how we were covering <laughs> that as one of our I would have been our uh third home game? No, second home game. It would have been our second home game because yeah. it was Wyoming then at Indiana, which I actually did mention I was there. Um so yeah. Um kind of crazy to look back and fast. think that I went on the road for Indiana, Northwestern, the Rely Quest Bowl, 
next year I'm planning on going to Purdue and Iowa for football. Um, Dude, Ryan, that Ryan Walters yeah. first game against yeah. Illinois. It's an early September game, too. That's going to be something. so. And that's like when tensions are going to ride high, like the beginning of the year. Everyone's oh, yeah. antsy. Everyone's excited oh, to yeah. get out there. Illinois got to get the cannon back. I mean, they got to get it back next year. And they got to stick it, to Ryan it means, Walters. It means so much more now. Uh-huh. It does. Uh-huh. But anyways. Um, I love Ryan Walters not be able to keep that cannon. Yeah, and you know I I love what he did for this uh for this program. Oh yeah, I mean his but defense was unreal this past season. There there are a few jabs back and forth on social media between him and Bielema. I could tell they're like more jokeish, or if they're or more if there like, was a little more passive aggressive. Yeah, I I couldn't tell like what the that. what that was, but um, I'd have to assume there wasn't much bad blood being no, left. I mean Bielema with his assistance uh, has always you know, gotten along with them well. And even, even after he left Wisconsin with Chris, um, right. Like he just, he gets along really well with them. And there's no way that Ryan Walters isn't thankful for the amount of growth oh, yeah. that Bielema helped him with. He, I mean, we listened to countless press conferences and he talked about sure how he wasn't even ready, like at the start of the season to be a head coach yet. And so much of being with Bielema in that system and, you know, learning how to be, um, in a successful program like that, that's starting to grow. That was so huge for his growth. And, you know, I, I, I wish nothing for the best, uh, nothing but the best for him, except for when they play Illinois. <laughs> that's a little different. Yeah, okay. no, that's, that, that'll be when, uh, that'll definitely be one of those things where, yeah, Ryan, uh, thank you for your time, but uh, you're going down. You're going down. You're going down, <laughs> yeah. Illinois has to be pretty next year. They really do. Yeah, um, and I, I, we can look back at, you know, what Witherspoon, I mean, he makes yet another, um, it's it's like another stunt for Illinois, just people, like, there were a lot of people who watched the NFL draft who don't know a lot about college. No. Right? No. Yeah, and, like, I mean, one of my friends from back guys. home, Witherspoon gets drafted fifth, he's like, who's this guy? And then he saw the highlight clips, he was like, oh, he's pretty good. I was like, yeah. Yeah. He is yeah. pretty good. He's legit. Oh, he's damn good. <laughs> yeah, and he's not the last one who's going to get drafted like this for Illinois. Nope. I can almost guarantee no. it. I, I personally think Quan could be a stud in the NFL, too. Yeah, Il- Illinois. And Sydney. I think they all could be studs in the NFL. I think so, too. I mean, they're, Sydney's a ball hawk. Oh, he yeah. sure is. Yeah. He just, he he's where the ball is. Ball, ball hawk. Ball hawk. Wouldn't that be something if uh, <laughs> Sydney gets drafted this year? That would be pretty cool. We'll see. Um, but anyway. Yes. As we, we we digress, huge accomplishment to Witherspoon. We'll see in the next few days as the other guys get drafted. And, you know, let's talk about the transfer portal. Let's talk about the <laughs> for the basketball team. Yeah, and uh, a soon-to-be possible addition as well. But let's talk about the additions first. Uh, Illinois, since we've done our last episode, has acquired Marcus Domas from the transfer portal, Justin Harmon from the transfer portal. And Quincy Guerrier from the transfer portal, which obviously that one is the more like third times a charm kind of one because he was exactly. supposed to be in the line. I think, first being <laughs> first out of but no, he had to go to Syracuse and Oregon, well, whatever. Um, but Oregon yeah, also was the the place that also tried to recruit him too, right? Both of them, Syracuse, Oregon, Illinois with the three. Yeah, that's true. Then and he then, went to Syracuse. And then he went to Syracuse and then Oregon. And then Oregon. And now he's going to the line for his fifth year. Clearly his plan all along. And then to come to Illinois and, and win a championship, clearly. Oh, yeah, no, because obviously Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins are coming back, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Marcus Gomez, kind of a, 
a combo forward type of player who can who can play the perimeter and also can I mean show his strength inside. Justin Harmon, a pure point guard who can shoot it when he needs to, but I, I mean I think that he will be kind of this. I like Harmon a lot, but I don't know if he's full on Big Ten point guard ready per se. Right. Um, and then obviously Gary is a guy who was a stretch forward who can play the four when he, which assuming he'll be playing the four mm-hmm. in the starting lineup since we probably, I'm going to say that Hawkins and Shannon are not back in the scenario. And I think Gary is probably the starting four there, right. um, but he averaged just over nine points a game and shot 35% just around that from behind the arc this past season. So overall, I mean, I think three very solid additions by Brad and co. Yeah. I, Love these additions, and for a main reason. I mean, we've harped over and over about the culture problems from this last yeah. year, and you see a lot of that could be attributed to Matthew Meyer, like Sh- Shannon, uh, Sky Clark, just a lot of those guys who came in with not actual leadership experience. On top of that, mm-hmm. Sky Clark already going to four different high schools decommitting from Kentucky there was just there was a lot of risk involved there and there were guys who wanted to make names for themselves later on in their careers they weren't there to be at Illinois they weren't there to lead Illinois to a national championship to anything like that right they were there for themselves and that's the problem and I asked Jaden Epps too now that we think about it yeah and Epps I mean I I heard from someone of course it's just a rumor that they were actually letting him know that they were trying to look for a point guard in the portal, which at that point, it's like, it makes more sense that he would have wanted to leave, but I don't know why you would right. pass up on keeping Epps at that point when he could have been a leader for the next three years. I mean, this upside is so high. Like, it is like if he got a consistent shot and we already saw his, his finishing ability. And so oh, yeah, next I mean, run. his touch for a guard was probably the best I've seen since Xavier Simpson at Michigan. Mm-hmm. But um, as, as we digress from that, these three additions, they're guys who are like relatively mid-major, guys who don't have that really high NBA capabilities, guys that aren't getting paid an insane amount of money to be here. And so it, it makes you wonder, you know, are, are they here for the team? Are they here to rebuild that culture with guys like Ty Rogers, who was like the other day on Twitter, I loved what he said. He was like, I never run from the fire. Like yeah, I, I I stay, and I was like, that's what I like to hear. No, I'm really happy about uh, and, and Ty Rogers. He's like one of my like, favorite. Yeah, one of my favorite players and, from this past year. And talk about like, a guy who has an upside. I know. I mean, if Ty Rogers develops a jump shot, I, I know we've talked about this over yeah. and over and over <laughs> again, but I just we need to reemphasize <laughs> how how incredible he will be if he develops a free throw, a jump shot, and some more touch around the rim. Yeah, and his defense is already like very, very good. And his, his rebounding is next level. But if he can just become a little more selfish and find a way to hit a jump shot and maybe a three point shot, oh, well, that's what this offseason is for. He my could friend. be a lottery pick. That's what this yeah. offseason is for. Yeah, uh, the way he plays basketball is one hundred percent. Once you get that shot, that's the way they play mm-hmm. in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And with his physicality, I mean, he's. He, he could be lethal, really. Yeah, he could. I mean, he could literally find any way to score at that point. But, um, yeah, you just look at – he, Sincere Harris, Sincere Harris staying was huge, too. 
because those guys in a season that had like so many issues where like the team overall didn't live up to their potential just because there's so much talent. They were the guys that consistently provided sparks. And he was easily the most passionate player that I saw from this past season. I mean, he's constantly slapping the ground, yep. yelling. He's at, an energizer. As loud as he is. since you're here, is we're going to see that energy again yeah. between those and two. And they, I think, once they get more experience in college, they'll be vocal leaders. Mm-hmm. And all of these new additions of guys who are going to more than likely not be having their like eyes on the NBA. Right. They're going to be on this year, their final season in college, which by the way, the fact that all three of them are like, basically they have one year left yeah. in college. Yeah. It makes me think that it's like they're building for this year. Yeah. Like, like this year, which makes me like, it makes me wonder, do they know that it's more likely that Coleman and Shannon will come back? Because if they're building for those guys, the three to be here for a year, wouldn't they be building for one really good year with their two stars coming back? I, I'd have to imagine so. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, I mean that would only make sense, right? I mean the thing is, like it's we so mentioned skeptical and, right now because yeah, you haven't heard much since they declared. Like we mentioned in a previous podcast, Coleman Hawkins said he's only going to come back if Illinois has an elite roster with a great chance to win a national championship. Veterans too, which right. they are adding veterans, and they've already added all guys who are now going to be at least seniors next year. Yeah, exactly. Harmon, Domask, and Garrier. And I mean, you definitely have a chance. I mean, looking at some statistics from last year for Domask, I mean, he was a 16.7 points per game score, first team all Missouri Valley Conference, which is a very like high note and mark. Um, Southern Illinois was a very solid squad this past season. They just they didn't get the job done in the Arch Madness tournament. The Arch Madness. <laughs> um, <laughs> instead, uh. The Missouri Valley was just so up for grabs between them and I'm pretty sure Bradley was up there and then, yeah Bradley um, Bradley lost to Drake and yeah and then Drake obviously Drake was Drake was Southern Illinois actually Drake lost was a to Drake. darling of the uh, of the tournament they were your darling darling yeah. just to lose to a team that made it to the uh, Elite Eight right Miami no they went to the final four. that's right they made it to the yeah. final four yeah. That's crazy to think that Drake yeah. would have made it to the final but four if they would have beat Miami. What's what's important about these tie? <laughs> Drake easily would have made it to the final yeah. four. The only thing in their way was Miami. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the important thing about especially a guy like Domask is that he knows how to score. At least I mean, look at those numbers right there. Forty four point seven percent from the floor, thirty-four point eight percent from behind the arc. And that alone is better than what Illinois saw this past season in general. I mean yeah. Now that we have guys like Domask and Gary who can shoot the three ball, I mean, that is just so, so nice. I mean, yeah, not, not to mention that Harmon um, for Utah Valley. Or, yeah, U- yeah, yeah, Utah, Utah Valley. Valley. He, and a Chicago guy, too. Yeah. He's from the Chicago area. So, so you know, he, he was probably uh, keeping his eyes out uh, mm-hmm. for us for a while. Mm-hmm. But he, 34% three-point shooter last True. year. Yeah, good point. He, like, th- that's the thing about all these guys is that they have the abilities to – score yeah i mean what i didn't really think about last year was like what made me realize in a tweet they're showing the last year's uh players and their career points entering last year yeah and this year's players if shannon and hawkins were to return 
what they they would have in terms of their career points. And you look at the team last year because they had multiple freshmen who had yet to score, and you have guys who you wanted to be leaders, Goody and RJ Melendez, who is now at Georgia. Yep. I don't know why they, he thinks he's going to get out of being at Georgia, but good for him, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I wish the best for him. I always liked RJ. He had a rough year. But yeah, before this past year, they both, RJ and Luke, had below the uh, below 100 career points. Yeah. And they were top five in Illinois' career point total as of last year. <laughs> it, it, all the current players, they were top five. Because then you have wow. – you have Hawkins, who who obviously had more, but he only had like 100 or 200. He didn't have a lot of, of career I mean, points. Coleman's not a guy who like – I mean, Coleman is probably the most unselfish forward I've ever seen play yeah. basketball. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't a scorer. And then you bring no. in two guys in Meyer and Shannon, who neither of them had 1,000 career points Yeah, going into this past year. Neither of them had been leaders. Neither of them had to be the guy. Because right. Meyer was always a role player in that Baylor team that won a yeah. national championship. And Terrence Shannon Jr. was in his freshman season yeah. when Texas Tech won, won it all. And so if you think so about it. He didn't get many minutes in that scenario. But he had made the tournament like a handful yeah. of times since then. So they had the experience in, oh, they've been there. Right. But the team didn't have any experience in these guys know how to score in the roles that they're going to be put in. Right. And they just, they just didn't. No. And and that was hurt so much more when Goody was injured. When Scott, I mean, Clark, I feel like Terrence did his role really well because he knew he was the leader of the team, and he did act like it in most games. Yeah. But I mean, even in the game against Arkansas, like I mean, he still like took down, like took it as it was just I need to take control of this game in order for us to try and win. Yeah. And the, and the problem with that some of the times is that it was too little, too late. Yeah. You know, it was. But uh, anyway, you look at some of these guys like Domask and and Harmon, and they actually have been able to score very well on their teams. Granted, this yeah. is like mid-major, but still knowing how to actually get the ball in the basket, mm-hmm. even against these type of teams, once they get used to – and I, I think there are going to be some growing pains. There's no question about that for this next year. But once you start to play against that better competition, especially for some of those guys, they'll adjust. Yeah. Like, they're bucket getters. It, it's clear. I mean, Harmon was able to score recently. He could score 32 points in a game. Sure. He did that. Yeah, he did. He averaged, like, 14 points per game. 14 points, 3.8 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 45.3% from the floor, and 34% from three. So, and he started 36 of the 37 games that he played this season. Yeah. Um And then when you look at a guy like uh, Gary A., he was not exactly, like, a main scorer for Oregon this past season, but uh, – I mean, looking at his stats, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Soon to be 24 years old. That is wild. Um, but, yeah, nine points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game. So, I mean, 35% from three. He's going to be kind of a guy who can, like, just, I feel like, play his role. Like, he won't, like, be a star-studded, like, oh, you're going to expect 20 points per game. You're going to expect a double-double each game. No, he'll be a guy who, if he's open for three, he's going to take the shot. And – he'll have a 35% chance to hit it, which I like those odds. Um, Considering then, uh, how god-awful the three-point shooting was this yeah, past year. Yeah. You, you have three guys like that, uh, a bigger dude, too. And he can and play inside, too. Area. area can for sure play inside, too, which is really nice. He's kind of that combo stretch forward type of player. So. Well, and, and keep in mind, I mean, you said he's, what, around 35% um, yeah. shooting from three. Yeah. He, like, just Illinois fans, think about this. Coleman Hawkins has yet to shoot above 30% from three right. in his career. Right. And he was yeah. still viewed as a three-point shooting threat. And, and so, Brad Underwood has called him a great shooter numerous times in the press conferences we attended this past season. Yeah. So, so let's let's take that into uh, 
effect here and actually Definitely. Think, think about like how dangerous that makes a guy of his size. And really all these guys can shoot. They know oh, yeah. how to score. Oh, yeah. They have experience. I mean, if you bring back Shannon and maybe Hawkins, you bring back even one of the two, like that's a good team. And especially if you I get, th- I think Coleman, the point guard leader, a chance to come Ray back. J Dennis. Yeah. You get Dennis. I mean, Ray J Dennis was the next level. He is legit. And I mean, he, the crystal ball, the crystal ball has him coming to champagne yeah, right I, now. I saw the Michigan so, State 24-7 rider already had his crystal ball in Illinois. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, we're getting a little too overzealous here, but there already is a article in the champagne room for Ray J. Dennis committing to Illinois. Just in case. Please, Just in case. Because do that in a second. I mean, yeah, we did it for all our draft articles, too, which my uh, Devin Witherspoon one got posted last night. Um, but, yeah, I mean – we're gonna. I'm taking a look here at the uh, at the draft at or at the Ray J. Dennis um, brief here, and he uh, he was the MAC Player of the Year this past season. So <laughs> yeah, I, I he, think that uh, he led Toledo, and he's from Illinois too. I mean, he's from he's from this. He state, has some AAU, so, you know? he has some AAU connections with Illinois. I'm just gonna put that out there too. So he was a tw- he was a 20 point per game to score and a 36 percent shooter from the three point line, three to assist, a, three to one assist to turnover ratio. So I mean, dude, and he like when the actual games were big, that's the thing too, dude. I mean, this would be they, they were, a nice addition because he would be the starting point guard. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And he, I think that means Harman could be a six man too, which which I would not be bummed out about. That's the thing is that you last year had to rely on guys like. Sky Clark and Jaden Epps to lead the offense when they've never led an offense in college before. Right. This guy has. This guy has and much more. I mean, they were a one seed in their in their tournament. They didn't win the MAC, but they didn't MAC, but they they went to the championship. They did. And lost to Penn State. Like game in and game out, he was their leader. He was the one that knew how to run an offense that was very successful, that could have easily made it. They made it to NIT too, right? They made it to NIT. They actually lost to Michigan. Right. That's right. That's right. Still, I mean, the firepower that he has, the leadership capabilities that he has is something that Illinois did not have last year. Nope, sure didn't. I mean, how big that is if he actually comes to Illinois. I mean, this went from a, like, we have no idea what's going to happen this next year. Shannon's probably gone. Hawkins probably gone. Who are you going to get in the transfer portal? This may be a disaster to all of a sudden, you're going to have one year with so many of these guys. And if you have... The right things happen. You have a few of your leaders come back, and then you have another guy who has been there, done that, one of the best players in his conference, if not the best, which he was ranked the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much upside. There sure is. Yeah. Much less risk, I'd say, as opposed to last year. There was there was yeah. a lot of risk, if you think about it. Last oh, year. no. I mean, because you're bringing in guys like Shannon and Meyer. You're expecting to be the guys for this team this season. And like I said, when Meyer, they never were the guys. Meyer was a role guy for Baylor. Like, if he's open, he'll take the three-pointer. But he was never, like, a guy who had to lead the Bears when he was on the team. And Terrence Shannon Jr. was a guy who was sort of coming into, like, a bit of a leadership role at Texas Tech as junior year. But, I mean, they still had really good players around him. I mean, the thing is, like, he went from an emerging leader, sort of, to – Oh yeah, you're the leader of this team now. Like yeah. you, this is your team, and I know that BU sold him on that when he came here. He was, and and he stepped up in more ways than one. Um, 
which, you know, Shannon towards the end of the year, his respect and, you know, just shouting out Underwood and saying everything like yeah. he is our coach. And that really made me just like, because I, I didn't think that we would reach a point to where we were like, we shouldn't have taken for granted players actually wanting to play for Underwood because that's what it was like for five years. You know, you had, you had guys like Trent, Demonte, Io, Kofi, Georgie, every all love Underwood and, every and day guys. And this last year made us realize, well, we shouldn't have been taking that for granted. Now, especially with the transfer portal with NIL, yeah, you're not going to have guys very often that are going to want to stick it through with a coach who gives them a hard time a lot, but he does it for a good reason. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, Terrence posted on his Twitter account that he he said, if you don't like this, don't come here. That's the way the best coach best in the country coaches. coaches. So, I mean, I'm really happy that obviously Terrence found that he accepted his role here this year, came to love Underwood. It really does seem like that. Um the thing is, though, I do have to say the way that Underwood coaches, I can understand why players – I mean, I know I've said this before, but I can understand why players wouldn't like that nowadays because the whole screaming, getting the guys' faces, that's a very, like, older style of coaching. It is, and you don't see as many guys no, you don't. do that nowadays. No. But it's also, like, when you're in that competitive of a sport, I mean – like if you make a mistake and you're not going to learn from it on your own, like, like that's so much of what Underwood, that's so much of what right. college coaches do mm-hmm. is push players to a level that they wouldn't get on their own. And Underwood has his way of doing that. He had his way of doing that even when the stage wasn't as big. And yeah. that's the thing. That's why I think he did so well. At Stephen F. Austin is because oh yeah, I mean, he, was he, he had guys that didn't have these the program on the crazy back. high egos. He had right. guys that wanted to prove themselves, wanted to be gritty, wanted to play hard, and actually – They're one of the most fun mid-majors to watch come March, too. Yeah, because they had that mentality, and it fit perfectly with what Underwood wanted to do. And now you have these guys, now that Illinois is a bigger program, now that they're much more well-known, there are higher expectations. You have guys that come in that may think, you know, I'm, I'm better than all of this scene. I'm better than this. And I shouldn't be, you know, talked down upon by Underwood, which is so different than what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, it's just kind of like Underwood's your coach. He's your guy. I mean, I expect Underwood to be here for a very, very long time. I mean, Underwood probably seems like the guy who will be the Illinois coach for a very long time to come. I mean, I'm not going to say that he'll end up being like a, I don't know. I'm not going to say that he'll end up being like a Jim Beheim or a Tom Izzo-esque coach at Illinois, but I mean, that would be best case scenario for sure. I mean, yeah, but I, I think that, you know, I think that Underwood has a very long time here. I mean, I, he knows that this is his team for as long as he wanted to be at this point, I feel like, cause I mean, he's extended to what, 2028, 2029 right now. So yeah. yeah. Whitman so, knows how, I mean, there've been so many people all over social media it's just so harsh. They've been criticizing Underwood all they can. But yeah. guess what? Who who got Illinois in all these pos- positions in football, in basketball? I Josh mean, Whitman. In, yes, like women's basketball, too. Yeah. Josh Whitman. But Jay's had a really nice transfer to Shea Bolin, too, mm-hmm. which is a really big pickup for Shauna Green and company. And yeah, you think that they uh, made some uh, big steps forward in their first year? Yeah, they, they're not they, they have the they're same team coming back, the exact same team coming back, which is, I mean, minus Jada Peebles and Giovanni Lopez. But and and Jayla Odin. And Jayla Odin, true. Yeah. That's but right. still, she did transfer out. But I think, I think that Sean, I think that 
they kind of figure out that Jayla Odin probably doesn't have an incredible role in the team next year. Well, no, she doesn't have a lot of upside, yeah. at least for a team that is going to start competing in the right, Big Ten. Right. But anyway, Josh Whitman knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. He does. There's yeah. no question about that. Mm-hmm. And he trusts Underwood. So no I trust to. Underwood. I mean, there's. I, I think that there's no reason not to trust the guy. I mean, he's done nothing but succeed in the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, Illinois, the past four years, is the, is the winningest program in the Big Ten. He, yeah, and he just has to be able to carry that onto the, the biggest games. Yeah, you know? which he hasn't yet, and whatever. I mean, I think next year is with the talent you're bringing back, and if Shannon and the Hawkins and or Hawkins decide to come back, yeah. next year is probably going to be a Big Ten title year or bust or second weekend year and bust. I agree. And this uh, this winningest uh, program in the last four years, they'll try and extend that to five, and it was actually announced – um, in the past few days, the opponents that they'll be playing yeah. in the Big Ten schedule. And I kind of circled a few games that I'm very excited for. Indiana at home, that'll be a big one. Mm-hmm. On the road, I'm planning on potentially thinking about going to Iowa and Purdue once again. I did that this past season, so if I'm able to, I plan on traveling for both those games. Um, only away at Wisconsin. I, I think that's one I might also circle that I might go to as well. You, have a little, you always have a little extra added significance. Yeah, because, I mean, I have never been to the Kohl Center, believe it or not. Really? I've never been to the Kohl Center. So, I don't know. That's, I think, that's, that's I think that could be fun. <laughs> I think that could be fun to possibly go cover that game on the road. But um, I what I noticed when I – Saw this. I think I'll probably end up going to Northwestern too. I mean, that only makes sense. I'm from around Evanston, right, so, so it's probably easier, depending, of course, on when they if, play. If it's, if it's like a midweek game, I probably. But, but I mean, you look at the teams that they're playing home and away, then home only, away only, and you look at the teams they play twice. Illinois was gifted this past year with the teams that they played twice. They were, they were and the teams yeah. that they only had to play once. Yeah. They only played Purdue once at the end of the year as the last game of the yeah. Big Ten season. Yeah, you're you, playing them twice next year. Yeah, you you look at who you play twice. You're playing Iowa, Michigan, Iowa, yeah. Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue, Rutgers. All those teams were real were pretty good this past year. Northwestern, Northwestern shouldn't be nearly as good. Fall off. Yeah, they, they shouldn't be nearly. But they also there's no upside there. They also weren't expected to be good this past year. No, they were. So, I mean, you just never know. All those teams are pretty good basketball programs uh, outside of maybe Northwestern. Um, and and they, of course, made it to the second round this past year and, and threatened to actually beat UCLA. They, they gave UCLA a run for their money. They, they, really they were did. a good team. All of these teams that Illinois will be playing twice have, have an upside outside of maybe Northwestern just because of who they're losing. I mean, if you can go better than 500 against those seven teams – that's a huge win. That's absolutely. I mean, if you go because, like eight, if you go like eight and six in those fourteen games, yeah, because then you that's play huge. then you play the likes of Ohio State and Penn State and Wisconsin only once. I'm I'm and not, teams like Minnesota, Nebraska. Those will be games that you win those at are, home. Those are must wins. Yeah, Indiana at home. You really kind of want to win that. Like you don't want to lose to them back to back years at home. Yeah, which you know some of their additions recently, which. And then you Xavier Johnson mm-hmm. potentially getting his waiver. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's coming back. He did. He did. He did. He's coming back. Yeah. Xavier Johnson will be back next year for Indiana. Um, but then away games, Ohio State, you don't know what they're going to be like next year. You have no idea. Because, I mean, they were so hot in the Big Ten tournament until they got upended by Purdue. And that was without Bryce Sensabaugh. Right. I mean, I think that I think honestly, that's just probably one of those things where a team's just clicking at the right time. Well, they were, yeah, they were just, Penn State. They, they finally they, learned how to play. Penn State, they lost everybody. I mean, 
all their their cores gone. Yeah. So and they also lost Shrewsbury to uh, Notre Dame, which I think is a really interesting hire. Um, I, I I think. And then Wisconsin, you just don't know what to expect from them. I mean, they have everybody coming back, and they also added AJ Store too. Yeah. And our, of course, <clears throat> I mean, going into this past year, none of us could have predicted literally anything that happened. No. And so, of course, we can't sit here and tell you who they're going to win or who they're going to beat, who they're not going to, because we also still don't even have some of the hugest pieces coming back or not. We don't even know. Yeah. So we'll just see how it pans out. It's just pretty clear that this schedule is going to be more difficult than last year's. I agree. And that just means that the Illini need to be more sharp and they need to actually play together. It just needs to be a much more solid year. Otherwise, like this program, just like if, if, if they kind of fall apart again, it's like a where is the future? Because then next thing you know, yeah, a lot of the team is leaving pretty much. Yeah. So, We'll just have to wait and see, but um, that's uh, that's pretty much all the time we're going to have for you today on ISN Now, just to kind of highlight some other things going on. Noah, your your golf team is looking for their 13th out of 14th Big Ten Championship this weekend? That's right. And yeah. shortly after, the women's team won their first in program. How history. about that? Crystal Wang. That is awesome. That's all I have to say. She, I mean, that is so cool. She's the 16th ranked golfer in the country uh, for women's college golf. And she broke multiple records when they played the Big Ten Championships this past weekend. Uh, I did a little video of it that was posted on our US 7 News on Instagram. That was great. She A rare good golf shot from you. It I'm was, kidding. I'm kidding. It, well, you shouldn't be kidding. It was it was rather rare. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I actually landed it on the green. <laughs> I was very proud. I was like, huh, that's a pretty good he shot. He performed I, under pressure of being recorded on his phone. That was my first take. Wow. The the wedge shot was my first take. I can't say the putt was. but Well, we'll not, see how that fares in our round later on today. But the women's golf team, Crystal Wang, she shot nine under in her final round. That's a record, Big Ten record. That's she incredible. shot 12 under overall. That's also a record. You know the closest the closest individual score wise to her, she was twelve under, even, even par. She was twelve strokes wow. higher than anybody else. They shot overall the team thirteen over, and they beat, I believe, Northwestern Ohio State were at sixteen and nineteen. But uh-huh. that's their first Big Ten championships, and they get an automatic bid to the NCAA regionals. Yeah, they're heading down to San Antonio as the nine seed in that regional. That's really cool. Golf school. Golf school, as Always. like we mentioned, the men's team, they're in New, New Jersey this weekend looking for their 13th and 14 years. They've been dominant. I mean, of course, they've been dominant every year. They also just year? dominated the field last weekend here at Atkins. Yeah, this year specifically, I mean, they almost set. This feels like the year it has to be done for them. It, Yeah, I mean, they're winning Big Ten after Big Ten after what Big Ten. They're number four in the country, right? Number three? Number I think four? so. Yeah. I knew for sure they were top five and they were inching up closer. They shot 68 under in 54 holes. They're going to be the one seed in the regional. In one of those invitationals, they sh- like third high, third lowest mm-hmm. score as a team in college, like D1 history. That's insane. I mean, this golf Dude, team with Jackson Buchanan and Tommy clicking. Cole. Everything's clicking. Because They are just so unbelievable. Well, you, so cool. you saw the development last fall for some of those guys like Buchanan and uh, like Bassard, right? And now those guys have really come into their own too. And then you have those elite golfers like Cool and uh, Dumont Deschassart. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it happens. I would be surprised if they don't win their 13th of 14 Big Ten Championships and then make a run at winning it all. 
Absolutely. We'll definitely uh, do one more episode before we say goodbye for the summer. But um, it is getting really close. Um, and before we leave, uh, baseball and softball have two really important series coming up this weekend. Baseball looking to try and get a few more wins together in Big Ten play before the Big Ten tournament. They are on the road in Columbus this weekend, which is a series they should be able to win. And then softball is in Happy Valley against Penn State in the series, which is pretty big for Big Ten standings because the top only the top 12 teams make the Big Ten tournament, and it's played right here at Eichelberger Field. So You have to make it. You really do have to make it, even if you are the 12 seed. Like, even if you're the last team and you have to make it, you really just, you don't want to let down the home crowd. It would be such a bad look when you get such a great opportunity like that and you don't even get to see your home team. Yeah. Even to get the home crowd support. Yeah. And Illinois has been playing a little bit better recently. Granted, they've they won four in a row. They, so. they played against Michigan State, who was the worst in the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, and swept them. But yeah. at least you get that job done. They they have a lot. Like, they look like they're having a lot more fun. I mean, I never saw their team look more lifeless than they did before the Michigan State series. Trust I mean, me. This is a lot of players who I called their game fun. against Illinois State, and they just they, – they look kind of lost. They look so. completely lifeless, yeah. and now they're jumping up and down. They're having fun. Yep. It's a team that has a lot of swagger, a team that loves to play with each other. I mean, you Absolutely. get that momentum. This team made the tournament last year. You never know what they could do in that Big Ten tournament if they get in. Yeah, you sure don't. I mean, obviously, softball and baseball are two sports where being hot at the right time matters, but – Thank you so much for listening today. We'll be back in either a week or two to kind of sum up this whole athletic year and then uh, say goodbye for the summer. But until next time.